Music lover, you're now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. I'm in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Maybe you're here too, but likely not. We're coming together via the magic of the internet. Got a great little podcast for you today. Um, 1984 was a kind of magical year for music. And, and I know uh, I'm biased because it is sort of my formative years. But if you think about like what came out in there, uh, Purple Rain came out in 1984, The Unforgettable Fire. Uh, the Smiths first album, Reckoning by uh, R.E.M., Ocean Rain, Echo and the Bunnymen, uh, have that classic song, Killing Moon, on it. Uh, Van Halen's 1984, Come the Fuck On, Man, Rats Out of the Cellar. Eh, look, there was just a lot of good music coming out then, and a lot of artists sort of hitting their stride. Somebody who was not necessarily associated with the 80s at that point, though, was Bruce Springsteen. Up until this point in his career, he'd had um, uh, Jersey Rock, I'll just call it that, but he had had uh, a huge, massive career with that, legendary shows and whatnot. Dropped Nebraska, which was a little sparse affair. And then people were like, what's he going to do next? Comes back with arguably the best album of his career, Born in the USA, which is now 35 years old. Uh, this was a – it was similar for what Bruce was had been talking about all along, but in, in many, many ways it was radically different. Uh, and for me, it sort of defines the end of an era. And everything since this point has been um, – it's, it's just a different mode. So what we're going to do this week is is right now we're going to be talking about Born in the USA with my friend Drew because uh, the album, I love this album. I can't tell you how much I love this album. The album gets better as I get older. And then tomorrow we're going to talk about Springsteen's new album, which he just put out, Western Stars. And spoiler, I don't love that album. But uh, we, we, we sort of address why I might not like that in here. Um, but uh, you know, if you are uh, new to Springsteen, that you're weird but if if you know if you haven't listened to this in a long long time uh, put it on before checking out this episode i think you'll find it very a very different experience and then come back and let us you know talk you through it or what we think it is and then reach out and let us know what you think leave it in the comments and say hey man you guys are totally wrong and like holy shit i never saw this album this way uh it, it is a remarkable piece of art and uh and worthy of all discussion is what i'm saying so we're going to get started. We're going to head off to the uh, internet basement. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to get you get you primed here right now. This is the most Bruce Springsteen song on this album. Uh, and this is the song. Just wanna close your eyes and follow your dreams down. Well, we made a promise, we swore we'd always remember 
That's a little bit of No Surrender, the classic uh, boss sound, Bruce Springsteen, the East e Street Band. I think that is one of the songs that wasn't a single off this album. Um, but curiously enough, this is not – the album's not about the boss per se. It is about America in 1984. Joining me to talk about this right now is Mr. Drew. Uh, welcome hey, back hey. to the podcast, Drew. Now, um, how old were you in 1984? Oh, I think I was probably about a – 11 or 12 yeah that's yeah. about that's about right we're about the same age and uh yeah i was i was 12 it it was kind of a magical year for music if you look back at this stuff you had this you had purple rain um you had tina turner's private dancer but like 1984 by van halen ride the lightning by metallica you had all these like crazy good albums that came out and look that's a function of nostalgia i'm sure but for springsteen you know, his albums that came before this had all been, um, I, I don't know, how would you characterize him? Just sort of like the everyman? Yeah, gritty, earnest, blue collar kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, but not not necessarily threatening. Like, I, I don't know that he got too political in any of his work before this, although Nebraska, uh, which we can talk about a little. In 1984, you see the rise of, of Reagan, Reaganomics. Uh, we are, and this is something that always sort of tweaks my brain at that point. Not that far removed from the Vietnam War, um, which is heavy and which is why this album is heavy, I think. And so what Springsteen did is he went and he writes this album uh, in a large part about sort of the blowback, the personal blowback from uh, that experience working into a world uh, that doesn't necessarily want that or – Really, anybody who isn't rich, like it's, you know, the things are starting to trickle down. But they, you know, the, the Vietnam vets came back and nobody wanted them, so they've they've already seen how this plays out. Maybe ten, fifteen years before that, famously, Reagan used the title track for this song, which he thought it was a rallying cry, and people still to this day consider it a rallying cry who don't ever listen to the lyrics. But really, it is, to my mind, one of the angriest songs ever written about. Uh, the problems with America, right? Yeah, I mean, the cognitive disconnect with this song um, started, I think, a long tradition of, of, you know, mainly conservative politicians appropriating yeah. songs inappropriately and, and often against the artist's wishes. But I yeah. mean, I know Genius.com didn't exist back in 1984 but i mean you know <laughs> somebody on the campaign staff could have you know gone and gotten a lyric sheet for this thing and but, <laughs> but you know maybe yeah. maybe it didn't matter um you know maybe the maybe reagan's crowds just they only heard one thing you know born in the usa it's you know it's kind of a big chant type of anthem song with all this american flag imagery and you know here's this blue collar gritty pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mm -hmm. guy who i think um you know reagan's crowd latched onto and, and the lyrics were yeah just didn't really matter before before this though all his songs are about like racing in the streets jungle land some mythical like rock and roll fantasy that existed uh in atlantic city um, and not really in the heartland. And like I said, Nebraska was the first time he got accused of being a, a, a person who wrote music about the heartland, even though it was unclear whether or not he did or not. But I mean, even the, the chorus comes in pretty quick. I'm born in the USA. But the two lines right before even you end up like a dog that's been beat too much till you spend half your life just covering up. That's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. And that that's that's like to me, like just is about like failing. Um in uh, an America that maybe doesn't want you. Um, and so born in the USA instead becomes this thing like, yeah, all right, buddy, I was born in the USA, whatever, motherfucker. And that is, uh, I think, the angriest, this character, as that's the way I've always thought of it, gets on this record. But as you dig deeper into uh, this album, which I think is probably his his finest hours, probably his best album, um, you you see uh, this guy, uh, this character, this Vietnam vet, and um, there is no surrender, like we said, which is just you know maybe he's at a uh, yeah, an arena show, and that's what you would have expected from Bruce before that. But you get into some songs that are really um, the sonic equivalent of "Born on the Fourth of July." It explores like the the just the darkness of the real American, like in this case Midwest. 
and and just how um, how hard it can be sometimes. There's I want if you look at the uh, well, we'll just jump to the single real quick. The first single, like Dancing in the Dark. Messages keep getting clearer. Radio's on and I'm moving around my place. I check my look in the mirror. Wanna change my clothes, my hair, my face, and I ain't getting nowhere. I'm just living in a dump like this. There's something happening somewhere. Baby, I just know you kiss. Marketed, <laughs> Courtney Cox gets up on stage. See, everybody's dancing, everybody's having a good time, and he's just sort of smiling and telling you, "I'm like, no, man, this is this is hard. This is I am at the edge." I think that's a, a big theme of this whole album is like, you know, we're going to take this brutally realist, dark, uh, almost no hope kind of message, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to bury it under this massive you know, sound, this huge pop rock sound. Uh, yeah. And, and dancing in the, I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of figure out which song on this album exemplifies that the most. Cause there's just so much of it going on. It's just a bleak, bleak album under this like triumphant kind of music. It's, it, <laughs> right, it's right. just, it, you know, there's, again, there's this kind of cognitive dissonance, you know, going on all over for me on this, on this, uh, this album. Uh, not only just, yeah, the lyrics and kind of these Reagan Democrats sort of, you know, latching on to it, but also just the bleakness covered up with this brilliant, you know, um, party sheen and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, dancing in the dark. It's like this pop song with Courtney Cox dancing around on stage and you look mm-hmm. at the lyrics and it's it's, you know, again, it's it's this other, it's the story of, you know. Uh, a broken man in a dead end town. Um, you can't find love. There's, there's not really a lot to celebrate, you know, in the lyrics in this song. Yeah. I mean, even on the surface, you know, he, he's talking about, uh, you know, he gets up in the evening, he hasn't got anything to say, comes home in the morning, go to bed feeling the same way. Like every day is just the same after the same, after the same. And you can read into that as, as it is sort of these smaller towns, uh, that got hit by recession. And as stuff drained out, and look, I'm in the Midwest now, and so I see that now uh, in a very different light. But you also, on another level, you know, the the boss was always uh, barroom rock, right? And this this guy, this character throughout this thing, is a guy who spends a lot of times in bar in, in bars. He's he's in these bars. Every every meaningful thing that happens to him for a lot of these songs happens in a bar. You've got the dancing in the dark thing. You've got uh, glory days, which we're going to talk about a little later, but you know, it, it is, um, it's what people have when like, there's not much left and you're clinging to your past because there's no hope in the future. I think there is 
The song I want to play right now is the duality of the song is wild because it is creepy as fuck. You should never say in a song, and we've done this on a podcast before, hey, little girls, your daddy home. Right. <laughs> but when you understand um, who's singing it, and it's this guy who's in Dancing in the Dark, it's this guy who's in Glory Days, and more importantly, it's the guy who who was screaming and born in the USA. Uh, you feel sympathetic for this because this isn't working out, man. <laughs> not for him, especially not like this. Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? I got a bad desire. Tell me now, baby, is it good to you? And can he do to you the things that I do? Oh, no. I can take you hard. Oh, I'm on fire. It's like someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull And cut a six-inch valley through the middle of my skull At night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head And you cool my desire Yeah, so this was uh, my favorite song off this album, and and like I think just about every song on this album, say for maybe one or two songs, it was just everywhere on the radio. Yeah. Um, you could yeah. not escape the boss uh, in 1984. Uh, but this one, I don't know why this song resonated with me. Um, the production on it is this kind of ghostly, sparse, uh, you know, reverby. Uh, sound and that that synthesizer going on, um, I think, just perfectly captures uh, isolation, alienation, and kind yeah. of that hopeless feel. I mean, you know, this guy's got a freight train running through the middle of his head, and he's soaking yeah. the sheets because he's just you know night sweats and 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 can't can't get his girl, and like you just get a sense that like it's not going to get better for this guy. It's. I don't even think it's. He can't get his girl. He can't get a girl. Right. And and that and that and and because of like the damage, the psychological damage that's been done to him, I think it's funny because so he's a big Springsteen is famously a big like Roy Orbison fan. A big. I mean, a lot of the stuff is based in the music of the fifties. This, in some context, would be a, a just a you know a fifties song, a nice feel good song about your girl, until you get that you just like it's not his girl. It's just somebody he's like. He maybe wants, he maybe doesn't even want her. He just wants like companionship. You know, again, this album has sort of sweetened as it's gotten older, as I've gotten older. When we're 12 and you hear this, it sounds like weirdly like sexy, even though I don't think we knew what sexy was, right? Once you start to get into it and, and feel it, like you can, um, you feel the rejection. You feel like you said the use of reverb can make stuff sound glorious. In this case, it makes them sound like so distant. Yeah. I mean, reverb is going to just, you know, technically it's going to add uh, space and dimension and make, make the, yeah. the vocals not feel so upfront. So he's kind of, yeah, there's a distance there. Um, and again, it's just kind of, it's this ghostly thing. The, the drums just kind of hover through the entire song and just kind of mm -hmm. keep this pace. It's obviously a, a lighter song in a sense than a lot of the like just complete bombastic rockers that are on this album. So it's a, it's a nice change of pace. Uh, but there's just, yeah, there was something very specific about this song that has always stuck with me. I mean, when it comes on the radio now, it does take me back to that time. Yeah. It's just got a certain vibe, a certain feel that I think is, is, is spectacular. Uh, and better. This song does kind of, you know, sound like it could be 
something left over from the Nebraska sessions, but then was sweetened up with, uh, you know, yeah. a, 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 a bigger production on it, uh, which obviously Nebraska did not have. Springsteen has weirdly like a couple eras. Nebraska just occupies its own era. And I think this album occupies its own era. I think he led up to Nebraska and then was like, all of this doesn't really make sense for what I want to do anymore. And he makes that album. And it, it is, um, you know, it's sparse. And, and he, he gets a lot of the emotion out of that because of the sparseness. And to follow it up, you know, a couple of years later was something that was, I can't separate this from the sound of like all those albums in the eighties, but I also know there's something in the DNA of this that matches like say purple rain mm -hmm. and whether, it's a, whether it's a production thing, whether it's like, um, I, I just don't know what it is and I've never been able to figure it out. But, but like for this, it's not a cheat to the loneliness like Nebraska is. I hate to put, I hate to put Nebraska in those terms. Cause I do love that album, but you know, you hear, you know, just the, the simple guitar recorded on the four track and the harmonica. And all of a sudden it's like, this is heavy, even if it is. Yeah. I mean, but it does show just how a different um, arrangement and production can completely change a song because I, I uh -huh. could be wrong on this, but I believe that, um, you know, born in the USA kind of came out around the, the Nebraska sessions or maybe was left off or yes. short, shortly after. And it was this, you know, stark acoustic, guitar and voice only recording. Um, and you take that same song and you, you know, put this massive full E street band behind it with these bells and melodic chimes and all of this kind of stuff. And it totally changes the song in a, in a huge way. I mean, I saw uh, Springsteen at the, uh, the arena where the uh, DC sports teams play whatever it's called now oh, yeah. whatever it's called now. i think capital one's right yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> late 90s or around 2000 and he did the the you know solo acoustic version of born in the usa at that show right. um and it was really powerful and you could you know i mean obviously i think the original intent of the song came through more successfully um and and again, it just kind of shows like he had these songs. I don't know, you know, necessarily what drove Nebraska and for him to kind of strip things down. I think he was he was going through a lot of like, I hate the music industry and, you know, I'm yeah. I'm uh, disillusioned with stardom and all of that kind of stuff. And so perhaps Nebraska was a reaction to that. But then, you know, he puts Nebraska out and I guess is just like, OK, it's time to get the band back in the room and crank it up. I have a lot of songs with some similar dark, hopeless themes, but now we're going to now we're going to like really rock it out and, and make make a hit out of it. He he definitely was a disillusionment with the industry. Hilarious that he comes back and makes one of the best selling albums of all time, you know, and, and he does have these stuff like Cover Me, Darlington County, all these leading up to I'm on Fire, working on the highway downbound train there. Um, those aren't fantasy songs like the stuff on the earlier albums were the earlier albums discuss like the working class through these very, you know, like racing in the streets, back streets. There's um, like, a, yeah. Oh, like a, a nostalgic romanticism hearkening back to like the fifties. I think he was, you know, in, in, a sense, yeah. in the seventies, Bruce was kind of reactionary to kind of the psychedelic sixties and kind of bringing things, yeah. you know, back to, back to earth but it was yeah like you say fast cars and women and yeah things may you know may be tough but there's a there's a romantic nature to it by the time i think we get to like nebraska and then born in the usa like that romantic nostalgia is kind of gone it's just laid waste um there's still i feel a nostalgia to a lot of this stuff glory days and that kind of a thing but it's empty yeah. You know, I think even in Glory Days, it's this huge bar song today. I think that song comes on in a in your average bar, and everybody's just rocking out. And it's, again, you don't. It's cognitive dissonance, right? Though. And it's even in the song. It's like, hey, we're all harkening back to these glory days that we lived. But oh, wait, actually, they they were never glorious to begin with. They they were not days right. we lived. Um, but you know, again, it's it's there's a hope. Isn't it?
sometimes on a Friday I'll stop by and have a few drinks after she puts her kids to bed. I mean, we know what that means. I mean, you know, she's uh, she's yeah. available. She's well, she's not. She has kids. Well, yeah, okay. And this guy, this guy, this guy does not. This, these people stuck around, got stranded, um, just chose to return for whatever reason uh, in this town where everybody that you grew up with, um, the people that couldn't get out are still there. And, you know, and, and he doubles down on that. He just sit around talking about the old times. And it's like, no, that's, you know, that's not what's going on. You know, this is, this is a uh, romantic affair. And coding it like that, I think, is it's so classic, like pop song stuff. We just talked about Carly Rae Jepsen and how, how uh, pop music in general takes stuff that could be and should be honestly lascivious at times and codes it to be like this very like cutesy thing, like the butterflies and stuff. And in the 50s, which Springsteen is a big fan of, you couldn't just say, yeah, me and you know, this guy's ex-wife, maybe they're not divorced. Maybe they're split. Right. You know, we're, we're having an affair and I, and the kids don't know. Nope. That, that is to me, like one of the most devastating uh, lines in his entire catalog. And then he goes on to further. He's sitting in a bar and he basically sees himself down the road, sitting in the same bar. You know, but this time in the song, if you're in a bar, this comes on, you're like chugging beers, taking shots. People are like, woo, glory days. And that, that line of the guy just sitting at the back, like, I don't know if he ever leaves. Like <laughs> you, you never get to that. And then when you, but when you see it and you hear it and you're like, Oh shit. And you realize how truly dark this is and how truly like uh, real this is for a lot of America, uh, the South, the Midwest. Uh, but at the same time, I think you can find like these simple pleasures in just that as a wrong as hooking up with some kid's mom because you just don't know where the dad is. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that down and out character is you look mm -hmm. in the mirror, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, go to the bar. There's other people yeah. like that too. I mean, about five years ago, I started getting obsessed with this song and I just, more so than anything on this album, I just I just think it it deserves like all the attention for just pouring every single thing that Bruce Springsteen was about up to this point into one song, and then he almost never has to talk about it again. Yeah, I mean, I think you know this this album for me deserved a second look, a second listen, and a deeper one because it just sometimes like you know music like this is so ubiquitous, and you hear it so often for so long that I realized, you know, I, I kind of tuned it out in a sense and it might be on the radio and I'm listening to it, but I'm just not really hearing it. Um, I mean, glory days, you know, how many times have I heard it, but I've never really dug into the lyrics. There's a fucking bar. I've got one right dude. up the street. The glory days. Right, grill. Right. That's what I'm saying. I just got an impossible burger from there the other day. Mm -hmm. I think they played the song. I wonder. Yeah, I think I think they're contractually obligated. Yeah, to. yeah, you can name it Glory Days Grill as long as you play the song every hour on the hour. I wonder if people get sick of it. I don't think they do because it's you know, it's why they're there. Yeah, because it's a it's a it's a mix of nostalgia. Like everybody loves Springsteen, or most people do. I find it weird when people just really don't like Springsteen, uh, but everybody knows that song of a certain age. He hasn't returned to this ever. This theme, you know, Tunnel of Love and Human Touch were all about just simply him. Hmm. You know, he was just for the first time writing songs about him and specifically writing about him. And I think Patty Scalia, I think this was about the time that they get together. Um, and, you know, he, you look at this cover that has like an American flag and his butt. <laughs> like, And he was accused of like pissing on the American flag. He's like, nah, this is just it was prettier than my face. Like which is just right. a great answer. You got to be stretching there. I mean, I've you know we've all seen that album cover. Did anybody really think that? Yes, that's yeah that that's sort of what I'm getting at. The people the people he's writing about in Glory Days uh, and in uh, My Hometown, the those people see that because there's nothing you know as an artist, and you know this because you know, you make music like 
So Springsteen is on a level up here with how he's experiencing stuff, but the people who mainly consume his art are not up there. They just think it's just their, it's just their jams, their songs and everything. And so everything is quite literal in many cases. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Springsteen is, 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 is definitely attractive, I think, to a lot of artists and critics. I mean, he's not one of these artists that, you know, um, strikes it big with, uh, pop audiences and the critics hate him. He kind of, you know, is one of the few that hit both some, somehow, somehow connected with, uh, you know, the average Joe, Yeah, but, uh, you know, is obviously critically lauded. Um, and is super influential with with artists ever since. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really comment too much on the stuff after this. I mean, I've heard you know a decent amount of Springsteen after, but uh, you know, I kind of feel like maybe after you know Human Touch and Tunnel of Love, he did start to return to some you know dark social themes in a more folksy way. So he did the Seeger sex- sessions. That's one of the most Famous reason, but Ghost of Tom Joad, I think, is the album where you like people are like, "That's a return." That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and but that's that's more a return to a uh, an outsider looking in. I think, to my mind, is and that's how I've always seen like Nebraska too, an outsider looking into this stuff, commenting on it, not somebody who's like in it, not somebody like, look, I know this isn't Bruce Springsteen in any of these songs, but I have always my whole life been like, yeah, that's I guess that's just what Bruce Springsteen is about. That's what he's like. Um, you know, he sings uh, this song, My Hometown. And we were talking earlier today, and you were like, you know, I never read the lyrics to this. In 65, teaching was running high at my school. There was a lot of fights between the black and white. There was nothing you could do to cars it alive. Saturday night, in the backseat there was a gun. Words are passed, shotgun blast, trouble times it comes in my hometown. In my hometown, in my hometown, in my Our main streets were whitewashed windows and vacant stores. Seems like there ain't nobody wants to come down here no more. They're closing down the textile mill across the railroad tracks. Mormon says these jobs are going, boys, and they Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think I'm often guilty of, of not really paying attention to lyrics. And I can be somebody yeah. where like a really great lyric can clinch a song for me and a really terrible lyric can ruin it. But most of the time, my head is in the melody and the and the rhythm mm-hmm. of the song. And I always loved that with this song. It's it's it it's just it's I think it's very powerful melody uh, and pacing. Um but the 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 my hometown kind of refrain, um, I took very much as 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 kind of in that line of like things are run down, like um, that there. It gets yeah, yeah yeah that that was always the vibe that I got from the song that there you know again it's a little bit uh, there's a desolation uh, feel to the song. Um, I you know I honestly just never really picked up much on kind of the social commentary and 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 that kind of a thing. So so I didn't take that, but it's very possible maybe that you know uh, some people take things the wrong way. I get, I mean that that line was I mean I didn't I didn't pick up on that line in 1984. And that, this line that like you know tensions are running high, lots of fights in the black and white. And then he immediately dips back into his own history. It becomes very meta. He's talking about like cars, you know, at the light getting ready to race. Uh, but it like literally like racing tension uh, or tension between races. And somebody gets shot because of it, which is not like in any other song from Springsteen up to this point. Like 
you're you're racing, you're winning the girl, you're getting the pink slip, you're doing something uh, triumphant instead of like, oh shit, it has gone wrong, right? And and then it follows it up with like, oh shit, the jobs are leaving. Yeah, it's it, you know, the, reading the lyrics to this one was a little strange for me because it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a little right. all over the place. It sort of seems like he uh, maybe that that uh, you know the middle verse um, about the you know, the racial tension that, that he was experiencing or witnessing, um, seems kind of wedged in there. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, you know, it, yeah. it seems like oh. he just, he wanted to make that statement and that's where he decided to make the statement in the song, but it, it kind of doesn't seem to fit the rest of the theme of the song. Well, it doesn't. And I, and I think it, it, it doesn't, and it, it, it does feel a little wedged in there. And I don't know if that was intentional, but I, I feel like because you know the end of that story, right? If 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 it's my hometown, you're having pride in your hometown and all that stuff. But yeah, you don't expect. Uh, although there have been songs written about this, many songs since, uh, and you can even trace this back to like Strange Fruit. Um, there is always, uh, especially back then, this dark underbelly to small towns, mm-hmm. and that's it. And he didn't write about this much. That that's what's wild about it. He did not he, to like, and any Springsteen fan who wants to call me out on this, but like I can't recall a song where he really got into this dark underbelly of small towns. This feels like a southern song to me, um, where you know it just maybe you know they don't. I think Hornsby just wrote a song about it. It's like this bad thing happened, and everybody knows it happened, but we don't really talk about it. We did have that forty-one shots song. That American yes. Skin song, which you know, but that's more recent. Well, I, it, it wasn't that t- Tom Jones. So that'd be like twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more recent. I mean, it, I mean, <laughs> technically, it's true. It is more recent than this album, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it'd be another yeah. another where he's you know that's actually about a specific incident. Whereas in my hometown, it's just you know he could be writing about any number of incidents or something that happens you know a few times a year in the hometown he's from. But this, but this, you know, the last verse of this is is like just this line and this specificity. Last night, me and Kate, we laid in bed talking about getting out. That could be any character throughout his his output up to this point. You know, a lot of characters like getting out, and they're sort of like going to the show in the seventies, ass rock. But getting out was his thing. Um, you got to escape the the poverty, um, or at least the middle class of of his youth, and. Uh, you know, for me, that puts it on like a Faulkner level that puts his writing on a Steinbeck level. He he just he writes about America in in these terms that like just mm-hmm. and, and really crystallize on this, that it just like it it strips it all away and makes it raw. And if you are from one of these towns, um, you're not a postal elite uh, that that line, that's you. Yeah, but it's 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 not going to happen. You know, it's all talk. I mean, you know, we're talking. Oh yeah, we're yeah. talking about getting out, but then you're you're snapped back to reality. You know. We, yeah, that's we, what I mean. That's it. He puts his son up on the. He puts his son up on the thing, and it's like that's that's that. This is your hometown, and, and that's and nothing's going to change. Yeah, and that that is either depending on how you want to see it. That's either like a comforting thought, uh, which I think a lot of people take about take out of that, or a horrifying thought, or it's somewhere in between. Like I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if if you say it's a horrifying thought and that a lot of these where this character ends up, because that's look, the guy in Dancing in the Dark found his lady. Right. They had a kid. Right. And it's not, but it's no good. Right. It's like they're they're stuck. Now we want like, to get out, head south. But yeah. we can't. Yeah. And 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 so is that freeing? Is that is that just life? Is that. Uh, do you look down on that? Do you like aspire to just that that sort of everyday living? Um, I I don't think it's an indictment of the everyman uh, on his part. I think that would be way out of character. Uh, but at the same time, how can you not like have pity on this on this character throughout all these songs? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an empathy thing, you know, completely. Like he's yeah. he's empathizing with the uh, you know, the American condition. As as you yeah. would find it in most towns in America, yeah, yeah, 
I find it funny that now, 35 years later, that or not funny, I find it like horribly sad that these songs are relevant. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have our age, we had like the uh, the Gulf War. Uh, now we've had Iraq um, and whatever the fuck is happening now. Uh, and you put on a song like this, you put on a song like Glory Days, and we're a little older, and we can see, like, you can see yourself in this stuff. Um, it's not rock and roll fantasy. It's it's just, like, poetry laid out of, like, the human condition wrapped up in, like you were saying, this, like, weird pop sheen. Yeah, I, I think the, the subject matter throughout this album is is something that, you know, um, is profoundly impactful today. Um, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like you said, not a lot's, ch- you know, a lot has changed, but in many respects, a lot of things stay the same. You know, we still have, uh, um, you know, this kind of rural, uh, blight, if you yeah. will, um, uh, people out of jobs, manufacturing, etc. Um, you know, and that's definitely affecting our politics today. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of Reagan Democrats that Bruce was singing about and were in turn showing up at Reagan rallies, you know, singing along to born in the USA. <laughs> it's this, this weird dissonance yeah. going on. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's super relevant today. I, I also, you know, shout out to again, the production, as you know, I'm not a fan of eighties production as it's applied right. to right, right. rockers that came before the eighties. So just, I think a lot of, a lot of, rock and roll artists came into the eighties and they stuck, you know, the gated reverb drums and that kind of that eighties, eighties production sound. And it usually sounds terrible to me, very thin and does not rock at all. Um, but it does here, you know, and, and, and that, that gated reverb drum snare drum is all over this album, but it sounds Mm. good here. So they, but it it does sound dated. I mean, yeah, I think if, if, you know, if this was an album that he wrote today, it would not sound like this at all. Uh, it's, I, I, I mean, I, look, I have a soft spot in my heart for the eighties. I'm like you, like I, I love that production. I just, I, there's, a, there's a used store by me where I, I can find all these eighties things. I picked up like an Echo and the Bunnymen LP, um, uh, just all this like great. I stuff. need to clarify that I love the eighties sound and the eighties production style for okay the kinds of artists you're talking about tears for fears and, and, and just pretty like okay, all yeah. of that stuff, uh, Prince and Michael Jackson, it yeah. worked for that, for a lot of the pop that was going on. But, but when you yeah. take kind of the seventies rockers and then you put them in a studio gotcha. in the mid eighties and they apply this kind of a production approach, that is where I felt it didn't work. I mean, look at George Harrison, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of artists uh, fell into that trap. Even some of the Neil Young and 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 Bob Dylan stuff in the '80s kind of just lost something with that production approach, and then they gained it back when they, you know, when they threw out those gated reverb drums. And, and to be clear, like you know, Springsteen never like really fell for that ass rock or what you're talking about or '70s sound or like classic rock. Like he was always striving for the '50s. That's true. Always. As soon as you put Clarence Clemens in front of a mic and his voice and like a telecaster, like that's a, that's a unique sound in rock and roll that people chase. And like, you hear people say it sounds like Springsteen and like, well, because why it has like giant drums and, and a saxophone, like what are the components that make all that up? Uh, and, and so like this shift didn't, I mean, he was able to just sort of ease mm-hmm. into it. Like, hell, you want to make it sound like the eighties. Okay, cool. Like these songs will still be around 35 years later. And they'll still sound awesome. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think the songs and and the performances um, rise above that production approach. Um, I would love yeah. to to hear this album with a uh, with something a little bit more real and authentic with regard to all the instruments that are going on. Because I mean, there's no drum set in the world that you can sit down to and hit the snare drum and have it sound like Max Weinberg's snare drum in born in the USA. It just, let's say it's a very unnatural sound and it, and it, and it does make it more difficult for me to go back and listen to music like this. Um, which, which is a shame, but I think, you know, it, it still works here. And I think that's a testament to the, the, the work that, that stinks Springsteen wrote. 
um, and and the band that he has, which is obviously a fabulous band. Isn't that surreal though that there is no sound, no drum set that can make that sound? Like that that is what consistently blows my mind about this is that it just it like it just is like you can pull out a bunch of albums and be like well this yeah sounds like this this sounds like this and you're just like but this sounds like something else i don't even know what the fuck is going on here even when you get to like i'm on fire it's like what how like that uh this ha- yes this was after like don henley don henley copied mm-hmm. it on boys of summer like that vibe and and but it doesn't it's not the same it was different and it was great but it's still it's not it's right. not that it's not that that you remember. It's not that feeling. And um, yeah, I yeah. For so for anybody listening, I think if you are a if you don't celebrate this album, especially if you're a Springsteen fan, go back and really like dig into it. I think you'll find that it is it is his best writing. It is his best work as a musician. It's all their best work as a musician. Um, if a good pairing of this, have you seen the uh, Springsteen on Broadway? Set. I've seen that it exists. See it. It's it gives you so much insight into the, the humanity in his music and where he's coming from with all these songs. But when he does Born in the USA on that, you're yeah. like, oh shit. Like and you and you and you see the it it is as bombastic as that, like his version there and any stripped down version of that is so like radiant and just burning with like fury. Uh, and and you just see how talented the motherfucker. I will wants. go check that out because, um, considering Nebraska is my favorite Springsteen album, I, I feel like the stripped down, you know, man in a guitar is is more of what I'm looking for with this kind yeah. of music rather than the the bombastic kind of band approach. You know, um, uh, to take nothing away from his band, again, just a spectacular band all around, but. Uh, it can be a little overwhelming yeah. for me and just drown out kind of the feel that, that he's going for. It's probably why I'm on fire is my favorite song on this album, because it is sparse and stripped down and isn't just like smashing you it's over the head. Not smashing you over the head with like, Christmas. <laughs> so if you, if you watch the video, which was also on uh, MTV a bit at the time, yeah. um, the, you know, the, the video clearly establishes that this is not a creepy song about a guy talking to like a little girl. I mean, right. <laughs> well, well, yes, no, no, it's, it's not literally a little girl, but like you can't call your lady. Like what's up? Little I girl? mean, didn't they do that in the fifties? Wasn't that. that kind of the thing? <laughs> yeah. And this is the eighties, <laughs> but he loves the fifties. So that's where he's rooted. Look, all I'm saying is the song is moist as fuck and moist is horrible. <laughs> so, uh, listen yeah, to the melody awesome. and the drums in that song and just put away all the lyrics and then yes. you'll be good. Do what I usually do and just ignore the lyrics. Thanks, Drew, for hanging out. Happy birthday, 35th birthday to Born in the USA. Uh, hopefully that conversation was uh, put a different spin on it. I mean, you see this album in a new light. Uh, it is, you know, I think as as fans of art, um, we, we often are drawn to stuff, the darker stuff, and that means it has meaning. I, I don't know that it has to be dark to have meaning, but I know this is very meaningful because it is so dark um, and because it is so expertly masked uh, of what's really going on in this album uh, I love it I hope you love it and uh, yeah I'm, I'm gonna get off the mic here in a second and go crank this album again uh, if you like what you heard subscribe to us on iTunes leave us a radio message there we are at www.chunkyglasses.com because we are a Chunky Glasses production all the episodes of this uh, podcast are gonna be up there we're gonna be back tomorrow talking with Philip and, uh, and Michael's Warren about Western Stars so maybe do your homework now and, and give that a spin and see what you think and come back and we're going to let you know what we think. And we'll all get together and 
talking about music. So hang out, kids. Be good. I'll see you soon.